All right, welcome back to Lindroth Hockey Podcast. We had an extra week off. Unfortunately, I had a bit of a sinus infection. I wasn't feeling good, so you would have been hurt hearing me cough a little bit. I wouldn't have sounded pretty, but we're back, Dad. So you're here with co-host, father and son duo, Andrew Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Andrew. How are you feeling? Yep, feeling a ton better. I, I Hopefully, I sound a lot better, especially to all the listeners. But we've got an exciting show today, so we've got some things to talk about, Dad. All right. Um, not only will we, of course, talk about the Boston Bruins' massive win at the first a- actual outdoor-outdoor game, not one of the football stadiums at Lake Tahoe, um, we've got some drama going on. Our Temi Panarin, we'll touch that base on that, him taking his absence of leave. Um, we'll also be talking about <clears throat> Jeff Skinner being paid $9 million a year, and he was a healthy scratch last night's game. We'll talk about the Boston sports radio guy saying he'd trade pasta over Carlo. We'll, we'll touch base on that. And we'll also touch base too on the athletics story on the Arizona's culture going on over there and their management. And now the athletics possibly being sued. There's tons of stuff going on in the league right now, dad. So, Oh, and also ECHL Brampton beast folded. So we'll talk about the ECHL is possibly their, the doom of their future. So, Dad, what would you like to talk about first today? You can pick the topic. Well, let's talk ECHL real quick. So the Brampton Beast, um, Senators, ECHL, Philly. Do you see that this is going to start having a domino effect in the ECHL league? I don't know. It depends on the ownership, how much financial resources and support they're getting. Um, You know, as you know, there's still some ECHL teams not playing. And... You know, it's it's we'll see what happens. I, I think it's more of a financial thing for the individual owners. And I don't know if they were playing the season already. They may have been one of the ones to opt out of the season. But um, that's not good, especially for um, teams that have prospects and need places to put them to have them play, especially if you've got um, different types of lockouts. You've got at least different types of leagues to keep them in America to play and everything. But it's going to be really interesting, and I hope that our poor, poor Tulsa Oilers, they survive. And, hey, they've been around since, what, the 20s, 30s, 40s? Yeah, I they, mean, they've, they've been, been around, around a long, long time, time in Tulsa. Sure. But it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, I fear for the league itself. Do you see the ECHL itself, I mean, as a league possibly folding? If, especially if next season it's looking like it may be another social distancing thing. I don't think so. Um because attendance at ECHL games are between like three and 5,000, depending upon the arena. Um, I, I think, you know, I mean, they've already merged with the CHL, the Central Hockey League, and, and our guest, former goalie Ian Kesserit, uh, talked about that. And so I think the ECHL will be here. They're definitely the double A of, of the affiliates to the NHL. So I think they're okay. You might have a few teams move. I mean, that happens every few years. I think Tulsa is okay because the ownership that owns Tulsa also owns Wichita. Okay. And those guys, yeah, those guys are, uh, I think on solid financial footing and the Oilers are, you know, because they have a 19,000 seat arena with the limitations on how the percentage of how many fans you can have in a building, that's basically the average that Tulsa pulls in four or 5,000 a game. So I don't see that the Oilers will be in any trouble, but I don't know about any of the, about these other teams. I don't know too much about the other ownership, but, but teams do fold, um, you know, each, each year. And then it's picked up by somebody else. So we'll see what happens, but I don't think the league is in trouble. Either way, it is a bit upsetting or discouraging to see um, any type of uh, even minor league franchise teams or them going under. So it's it's a bit disappointing, but hopefully we don't start seeing a domino effect in, in the ECHL league or even the AHL. So, Dad, let's go ahead and let's move on from, from that, and let's go ahead and let's just talk about probably the hottest topic around right now, and this is where I am so glad we live in America dad where we can say what we want whether it's bad or good well don't say that because that's changing but we won't get into political divide. right you can't say anything you want right. without certain repercussions but you can speak out against the president in any term and not fear for your life which in russia that's probably a bad idea so artemi panarin 
something that came out from a Russian. Um, it's actually his former head coach came out. I don't know if he wrote an article. I'm, I'm guessing he wrote the article and had pretty much said he had beat up some 18 year old girl when he was 19 at a bar. And of course, as you know, I mean, with, you know, cancel, cancel culture is huge and everything. When, when people start to see anything remotely like that, cancel gone, we don't even listen to the narrative, but it seems like this is very out of his character and especially a lot of his teammates and other people have said that that doesn't seem right. Um, so I'll just give some quick, quick information, just if nobody has heard of this yet. Um, uh, so like I said, his former coach, former KHL coach is the one that said that he's actually known to be mentally unstable and he makes insanely wild claims that aren't always true. Um, and uh, the reason why he's a target of this so-called hit piece is his outward political comments supporting Russia's opposition leader. I don't know how to pronounce it, Navalny. Um, well, anyways, he's been talking shit on Putin for two years. Uh, a couple of days ago or last week, he had really came out and hammered Putin in comments. And right now, suddenly we've got this hit piece, Dad. So what do you think about that? I mean, do you think, I mean, this is crazy. And now you, he's you, leaving. Well, you, you, gotta don't, go. you don't know anything. And, you know, it's, it's, it's suspected that the coach is a uh, very much of a supporter of Putin. Yep. Putin loves his hockey. So do all the other Russian players in the league, Ovechkin, Malkin. Uh, I mean, they've all constantly voice how much they love Putin. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big supporters of Putin. And they make it, especially Ovechkin. And so, you know, my thing is, is Russia's known dad to not really care about domestic violence. Right. So even if this was true, you know, let's take a step back. They accepted Voinov. You remember him. I mean, he was kicked out of the NHL for domestic violence dispute and well, they accepted could, him back. So if, if it's a hit piece and it sounds like the Rangers said they're doing nothing with this. Right. So that's what's going to matter. And, and they're just hoping that, like like you said, this cancel culture or the Me Too movement, people that are, you know, sort of a little bit um, very sensitive to any accusations of a female to a male. Um, you know, they're obviously Putin is hoping that they would jump on that. Now, look, does the claim needs needs to be looked at and verified? Yeah, but you can't do it. It's Russia. Right. Right. So I, it's, you know, but if, if indeed he did do what they're accusing him of, you know, there should be repercussions of that. But again, when it's coming from the worst lying country right. in the world right now, or one of them, right. then, you know, you can't take that. So um, he's taking a leave and we'll see what happens. The Rangers seem like they're standing by him, but. Uh, so, so, so in all reality, dad. You, you know, so my dad actually, fun fact, he's like a, this huge history buff, most on the concentration of World War II and everything, but huge history guy, knows his politics really well. So dad, should he have done this, right? I mean, we, we say, you Who, know, who's sticking he? up for himself? Panarin, by sticking up against uh, Putin and making the comments that he did. I know that you don't know the exact comments, but I mean, he just really opposes what he believes in and everything else. And um, do you think that... Uh, I mean, th th this is just out of character, Rush. Is this normally something that, I mean, they're I this crazy about? I you can't I talk I shit about I, Putin? I don't know nothing about the personal life and characteristics of, of the player that's being accused. Right. But what about country Russia is what I'm asking. Yeah, you can't Maybe. trust anything that comes out of Russia. But it doesn't mean that it's not true, but it, it just is not going to be able to be independently verified. Right. Even if they find somebody and she ends up being a, you know, now we're going to be conspiracy theorists. Right, right. And she's a KGB trained agent <laughs> to say that, you know, he, you know, did all these things to her in 2011. You know, it's, you know. So, so you question. Can't, you, you can't verify the story. So therefore, I think they're hoping that the, very liberal culture in our, our country is going to give this guy a hard time because he's been accused of, uh, you know, domestic violence of some sort. Right. Well, and, and two, a lot of people's concerns are, so his family actually lives in Russia and his family as well has been outwardly spoken against Putin. And he's going back to Russia to basically get his damn family because now they're fearing for their lives. Do you think just hypothetically, I mean, do you think they're going to let him, and his family out of the country once he goes back? No, as soon as he reaches... I mean, he's going back to Russia to get his family. As soon as he reaches Russia, he my, my prediction is he will be detained. 
You really think so? I I believe so. So this so that's how crazy Russia is. So when people look at what they just did with that guy who's the opposition leader, they tried to poison the guy. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they tried to kill the guy. They poisoned him, and he's still in jail. He's and still he in jail. Went, I don't know why he went to Russia. I didn't follow that story that closely. But as soon as he went to Russia, they were there and they arrested him. He's his ass is in jail. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I feel I, bad I, for the I, kid. I think I think it was this this kid shouldn't have been shitting on Putin he without, have known what without, was without his getting his family and right. anybody that he needed to out of the country first. Yeah, pretty yeah, pretty dumbest part. Now, like we've said, we will state this. We don't know if the if the claim is true. So if it is, obviously, you know, we we don't agree with that. I mean, we don't ever agree with domestic violence, but I, Russia I, is I very encourage. Uh, our listeners, if they haven't, to go ahead and find, I think it might even, it's definitely on YouTube, and it might be that 30 on 30, remember that ESPN thing they did a long time? Well, um, I, I think it was McGilney was the first Russian hockey player to defect to the United States, or maybe it wasn't. I, whoever was the first Russian, and it was with the Buffalo Sabres, and it was this literally late 80s in, in some foreign country where the Russian were playing an exhibition game in Europe somewhere. This is Russia, not Soviet Union, right? It was Soviet okay, Union. Okay, so it was. Same thing, Putin, right. Soviet Union. It's the same thing, okay. different name, in my opinion. And, you know, they had to let the Buffalo Sabres assistant general manager had to go with, like, this U.S. embassy guy. And they had to, like, you know, meet up in a bathroom with this player and sneak him out the window. Wow. And, but there's definitely a problem with Russia and their players of not wanting their players to come to the United States. And when they do, you know, they, I mean, it's, it's not a good thing. And now with the KHL, they want them all to come back to play the KHL. Yeah. And they're getting a lot of guys come over there, but Putin loves his hockey. Everybody knows that. And this guy's crapping on Putin, so Putin's giving it back to him is what it appears. Or and, and Panarin even threw a hockey joke at him too and stuff. Uh, so it's I, it's not what he said was pretty like. You I got think balls. I think he, if he's going to Russia, he's stupid. He is. I, that's what it is. That's what that's the speculation. Everyone's saying he's he's leaving to Russia. He's got to get his family. His family's there right now. They probably should have gotten the hell out of Russia before. Yeah. He. But anyway, we'll see what happens. And we we've talked it'll be too long on this, but. So let's go on to the Boston Bruins game, yeah. the Lake Tahoe. I was scared for a bit. Let me just say that. I thought the AHL Flyers were going to hand it to us, only because I thought we looked a little rough in the first. I didn't. Well, whatever. I thought we played in a decent game. You know, Frederick got his goal. Yep, Frederick with his first goal. Pasternak, second uh, I mean, hat trick again. Second hat trick this season in against the Flyers. He's so odd. You know, it's like talking to your stepmom. It's it's he's just odd. Do you think there's something? You know, yeah, he's just odd. I don't I don't know if I mean I I, I'm not I don't want to knock the guy. He's a great hockey player, but it just seems like he's a weird guy. (laughs) Something's not right with him. Yeah, you know, I f- when I look at Poshnok sometimes, I feel like he's off in his own world and it's said a happy exactly. world. I'll be honest. I mean, it's not like we're talking hey, negative. As long as he's putting the puck in the net. God, he's putting the puck in the net. So too. he's the real deal. Well, and, uh, and dad, speaking of real deal in the past 82 games, which is if you're a hockey fan, that's a full season. He's contributed 59 goals and 113. Points. Yeah, hey, he's he's on a roll and let him roll and let him score goals. And I've even seen him actually do some ready for this back checking. He's yeah. he's usually the one of the laziest players to back check, and he's been hustling it back. He's been throwing some hits too. He's been trying. He's been trying. Yep. But he's so our boy Frederick gets his first goal. Yep, gets his first goal. Um, Nick Ritchie, oh man, dude, power play genius. Well, Stand in front of the net. I chuck the puck. He'll tip you, it. You, I'm opposed to you saying your man. He's your man this season. Last season, you were trashing. And that's exactly what we do as fans, <laughs> right? <laughs> we trash them when they don't do good, and then we praise them like okay, we never so trash Okay, so as I'm watching right. the game, I get a text from Andrew, and he's all upset. He wants to know what John Moore's doing. And nobody really knows what John Moore's doing. Oh, Even the power he, play, he, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. He, didn't he get an assist? Or well, I thought it was the goal. That was the assist to Nick Ritchie. Yeah. So you got to give him that. But anyway, I think the Bruins are shopping. 
And I'll say Moore did have two points that game. So I, I, I'm I think, it right now. I think the Bruins are shopping him. I don't think they have any long-term plans for him. He's 2.5 mil or something like that a season. And they got, what, two more years left? Yep. So I think they're trying to shop him. And remember, you can't trade somebody if you're not going to play them. Right. No, it's, it's a, that's correct. And, you know, I think the Bruins are, are, are smart to throw him in there and use him now while we've got injuries because, unfortunately, it looks like he's just – seventh eighth defenseman he's not good enough to break that you know top six defenseman lineup anyway so it's good that he's able to start showing some value um if he can do some production before he's traded great but we have been a staunch trade john moore since basically he got here right yep and we got to get rid of that cap space for him uh for somebody who's going to play full-time yeah uh, that'd be good and i you know Let's hope that our, our young defensive crew s- stays healthy. Yeah, including Miller, too. He missed the last game, but he was at practice today. And was gone. Both of them are at practice. So Miller, it looks like he's he's at about 100%. He was in the contact jersey, but Zaboral's in a non-contact jersey. So we're still down, Dad. So Luzon, as you know, got injured the first shift yeah. of the game, second shift, whatever it was. And so now you got Luzon injured, Grizzlick, Miller, and Zaboral. So. so let me ask you this, the whole Lake Tahoe experience, a success or a failure for the NHL? Half and half. I would say the Colorado Vegas was an absolute shit show. I didn't watch it, but I saw the tweets. I heard all the, you know, I've seen the replays, everybody falling down. Yeah, I mean, there's after, holes in the ice. Yeah, I saw him trying to dig the stick. It's like snow, you know. But I think, I mean, just based on how the game went, how the players talked for the Bruins game, it seemed like they loved it. It was the greatest experience. But that's what I had written in my notes, Dad, was I don't think that this was a success 100% per se. I know Bruins fans enjoyed the game, but they messed up doing a day game for this. I mean, people were out on their boats in T-shirts. National televised broadcast. Yeah, it was it was well actually weather there. Actually, it wasn't on NBC, it was NBC Sports, right? Yeah. The first game too? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, so yeah, because they weren't the same day. Okay. Yep. So and, and imagine you're watching the Vegas and Colorado game. They have to postpone it for six hours. I a think day. I think bullshit. I think it was a, a failure. I don't think you'll see that happen. Now look, you know, your stepmom and I went last season to Dallas down to the Cotton Bowl for the for the game. You know, and Nashville and, and Dallas. And you want to talk about trying to get a rink ready. I mean, that's Dallas. Right. Now, luckily, it was colder that day that it worked. But there were no problems with the ice. Right. So I don't know what the problem was. It was a picturesque view of Lake Tahoe and all that. But I think it was a failure. Yeah. I'm going to go with failure. And they need to go back to uh, – cold weather places to make sure that they get hard ice. Right. And there's plenty of beautiful places with beautiful sceneries that they can do that at. So it's just strange, but we'll see if they do it again. The Bruins players absolutely loved it. I just think that they were wrong to start the previous game during the day when it's warm outside. I mean, it was literally warm dad. People were had their t-shirts on. So uh, let's move on from the Bruins they are killing it. Their next game is on Thursday. I actually play Thursday, Friday and Sunday. New York Islanders, I think, and the New York Rangers twice. So it's going to be a brutal four days for them. So, Dad, let's talk about – I know you may not be familiar with Jeff Skinner. He's a forward for the Buffalo Sabres. But this season he's suited up for 14 games so far. He's supposed to be one of their top forwards, by the way. I mean, clearly he's making nine fucking million. He's right. being paid more than Marchand, Pasternak. 14 games. He's only collected an assist. Last year was the start of his incredible struggles. He played 59 games and only uh, got away with 14 goals and 23 points with a minus 27 rating. Um, But the reason why he got this massive deal the year before dad is he scored 40 goals and 63 points in 82 games. So he obviously had some good offensive, you know, upside. I even had him on my fantasy that year. He did excellent, but he had this insane drop-off now, Dad, and he's just – I mean, it's bad. He's now a healthy scratch again, I think. this. I don't think this is the first time. At least it is this season, and this is bad. So what do you think about that, Dad? I mean, being paid $9 million, you can't you can't score a fucking goal. I mean, you're being paid more than pasta. 
Well, yeah, I mean, but when he signed that deal, which is an eight-year, $72 million contract, um, he was coming off of a 40-goal in 23-assist right. yep. season. Yep, you're right. So to the defense, now I don't know if we're going to say $9 million a year is worth it for For eight player, years, too. For that player. But um, clearly, you know, they thought that he had proved himself for that money or in that ballpark. Yeah, and now he's going. So there's some talk about – that it's not, it, it is him, but it's also, he needs better line mates. He needs better support, but it comes down to what is this season shown us that these younger players who are superstars are not performing well, right? Look at the whole Dubois line, a situation with torts. I mean, I don't know if it's kind of a, an attitude thing with these young players. I mean, I'm not going to accuse them of that, but it seems to me that these younger players are, you know, are they, are they paying their dues? Right. I mean, let's talk to some AHL and some ECHL players that have been banging it for eight years and, you know, they might get a call up and then they're sent down again and a call up and sent down again. You know, what do they think of these young guys coming in here? Now they are, they might be better than them, but are they paying their dues? Right. And, and, I, and I don't know without talking to some of these veteran players or even retired players or if that may be the case. You know, they're coming off of playing juniors and, and you know, they've been phenoms their whole life and used to getting every – I don't know what the problem is. Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, I just think that NHL teams are, are kind of making this mistake, even with Thomas Shabbat, the defenseman of Ottawa Senators, you know, they're young guys. They have one good season. Not that Jeff Skinner was young uh, when he got this deal two years ago. He's been in the league and has done well sometimes, but I, th- I, just, I think a lot of it's blind faith by these NHL GMs that once somebody does well, they want to lock him in. And sometimes players just have a good one good season. Sometimes they get consistent going to tear, but that's bad, man. Nine to, million, I'd be upset. To, to Skinner's defense, if you've been relegated to the fourth line, you're not put there to score goals. Right. And you're put there for some sort of punishment because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. But if you're going to keep him on the fourth line, he's not going to produce. Right. So it's kind of a situation with Buffalo of, of – you know, you're going to have to kind of trust him and give him the best support. But I think moving him to the fourth line and keeping him there or giving him a healthy scratch more than once is not the way you're going to motivate this guy to play better and to play at the level they think he should. So did this ever happen, Dad, back in the day, all these healthy scratches, especially to vets? I mean, it's kind of seems like, you know, when we were talking about Bacchus, you know, a while ago that, you know, we were like, it's kind of disrespectful. You'd wave a veteran, you know, well, you know, it's, 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 well, I think the vets are a bit different. I mean, if you listen to uh, some spit and chicklets Mm -hmm. shows and some other interviews on radios that you could find, I think broadcasts on YouTube, uh, you know, you take the coach Babcock about how a lot of players hated him and accused him of getting them, traded to him players getting traded to Babcock and Babcock ruining their careers on purpose. At least that's their claim for some of these players. Right. And so, you know, I, that brings another element that I, it's out of our depth to talk about it, but there's been some players saying that coaches have some vendettas and by not playing somebody and putting them on fourth line is going to decrease their value and their worth. And sometimes, you know, then they get thrown on the waivers and they're not picked up and their career's over. Right. So I think there's another aspect to that, not accusing the Buffalo coach of anything, but clearly put them on the fourth line <clears throat> for how long? Right. And how many vets dad have <coughs> we seen this season? I know a lot of it's transactional things to put them on the, t- uh, uh, taxi squad, but how many vets have been waived this year? I mean, Shen today on Tampa Bay, he was waived too. So, you know, you got a bunch of vets that have been in the league grinding for years and years and they're getting waived like it's nothing. But you got these young kids, man, who are ready to go. They're ready Not to the go. Not the superstars, but 
it is it is a cutthroat game and the coaching game it's always been tough to coach in nhl so the experts tell us even more today i mean you you don't have time to rebuild you've got to get into the playoffs and you've got to get better each year until you win the cup that's the expectation so these coaches know that you know just like uh the old don cherry saying that coaches are hired to be fired right um it's just a matter of time and how much you know rope they're gonna the owners are gonna give the coach so the coaches are under the gun and they're not gonna play around with having vets that they feel they can bring up a younger guy in there right and look you know we were also critical and i still think the jury's out with the boston bruins but we were very critical that there was not many deals made by sweeney and not too many signings. And I really can't say that Smith has been a great signing, but I'll leave that alone for another day. Um, but the Bruins have relied on their youth. And so far, it seems to be paying off. Jay Leach is doing something fantastic. We with don't miss Chara. We miss his leadership and his character and who he is, but we're not missing his play. I don't think. And I'm not going to lie. I've not missed the defensive play of Krug either. No. I know that Grizzlick is kind of another undersized guy that kind of gets moved from the puck in those corners sometimes, but we've got some strong defensemen, even with these. I mean, Zaboral's done well, I think. I think, uh, I mean, everybody's been doing well. I mean, even John Moore just did a great game. So while we're on the topic of the Bruins right at this moment, Dad, moving on, um, Tony Maserati, have you pronounced fucking name, I don't care. I don't know what radio show he's on, Boston radio show. I guess he's, you know, he's well-known. But he claims he would rather trade David Poshnok, remember, 59 goals, 113 points, for Crosby instead of Brandon Carlo. He'd choose Poshnok trading him over Brandon Carlo. What, what's his reasoning behind that? I don't know because I didn't listen, but apparently people were just saying he's just sh- throwing shit out of his ass, basically, to see what sticks. I guess he does this sometimes, throwing shit on the wall. I, I, I'm not tuned into his program at all, so I don't know. I, yeah, of course it's stupid. Who's going to trade pasta? I mean, just the sheer fact. Who gives a fuck what, he, what his reasoning was? Why would you trade pasta? Especially for a center. I mean, you got to think, Sidney Crosby plays center. We've got plenty of center. I, I, I don't know where he's coming off of. You know, we're going to keep pasta. He's going to be around. Uh, until pasta doesn't produce, I think the problem with pasta is when he's cold and he gets a little lazy and he's kind of just gliding around and not putting in a hundred percent effort because, you know, he thinks, Hey, I, and I'm not accusing him of this now, but I think in the past, it's like, bang, he scores a goal in the first period. He's kind of gliding around, just kind of waiting for the cherry picking moment. And it's like, that's going to drive a coach crazy. Right. And pasta, I think has got a new attitude. He's doing great. He's forechecking. He's back checking. But if he goes back to sort of that lazy play, I don't think that he's going to stick around if he's not putting the puck in the net. I agree. And Hey, on the topic of Carlo too, dad, what was your thoughts seeing the A on Carlo's jersey? And I was, Carlo had no idea until he came in and saw his jersey hanging up with an A. We, remember, we don't know what goes on in the dressing room. And, um, Clearly, he's respected and has done a good job in the leadership roles in that locker room. So, you know, they gave him the A or whatever. Yeah, should McAvoy have got it? I mean, I don't know. Is he too young? You know, remember the whole uh, Thornton, you know, experiment with him being this young guy and we gave him the captain. That's right, yep. And he was just too young for it. It was also a crappy Bruins team at that time. Right. But he was just too young for it. Right. And not only did he lose the C, he lost his job and traded him to. Right. So maybe McAvoy, because Andrew wanted McAvoy to get the A is why I'm saying that. I don't yeah. Think I thought, I thought, I really thought McAvoy. He, or he, Coyle. He, he might be a little too young. Yeah. Coyle. But, but Carl is only 24, man. He's my age, but I get it. It's crazy now, Carlo, this is, I think, his fifth season. That's his second most tenured on the Bruins team right now for defensemen. You know, the other one's Kevin Miller. So he's been – I think Carlo's playing well. I I would like him to use his body more and be a little bit more aggressive, particularly in front of the net. But, again, you get too aggressive. You get the stick up high. You get the cross check going. You got the holding. You know, it could get – he could be sitting in the box, but I'd like, he's such a big guy. I think sometimes he doesn't use 
all of his weight that he could, but that's, that's just a couch potato watching the game. Right. Critique. Right. And if he did, man, I mean, it'd be dangerous. Cause I, I notice a lot of guys who are smaller than him. Don't try and push him, him in front of the net. Can, they don't can, try and can we talk about the Lazan beatdown that he oh, gave? Oh God. To Bunkovich. Oh, dude. And, and, it, and it was needed. And by the way, I didn't watch that game. I was by the work, way, so why, why was it needed? By the way, Lemieux jumped. Yeah. Oh, I saw the replay. Yeah, he jumped. He jumped him, and that's why Frederick was pissed off. Well, Frederick thought and read on. And you know what? All I gotta say is like father, like son. That's all I'm gonna say. Claude, right? Claude used to be do that shit all the time. Jump, uh, a cheap shot artist. Oh yeah, and then turtle. Oh yeah. You know, and finally, once I think he 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 stood up to I forget who McCarthy, I think. Yeah. And he stood up to him. He did. But it's like, come on. After ducking him for seasons upon seasons. Anyway, like father, like son. And I personally, I think Lemuse is savage. I like his play. I mean, he's nasty, nasty. He bored. He jumped. He jumped him. And that's why Frederick won another bout. And he didn't do it. I think the coach pulled him aside and said, look, you need to be disciplined. I know you want to have round two with this guy, but not at, not at the sake of an instigator penalty and us possibly losing the game. Right. And that's just the NHL now. And still Frederick ate those punches and hung in there. And, dude, that kid is tough. You watch the fight in the AHL where it crowned him the, the enforcer of that uh, league back last He's, season was when he knocked out Jason LeBate 6'5", 235, knocked him out after LeBate was beating Frederick's face in at first. You know, and and also I know too that there's right now there's a Russian supposed Russian video of uh, Pee Wee players <laughs> practicing, of, the, of hockey practicing the hockey practicing the hockey. Yo, fights. that's it's, so funny. And people are upset about that. So you go. Oh, I know. I went on Twitter, man. People are upset. You know, hockey Twitter's upset, man. Why? But who cares? It's but, Russia. But what do you expect? But it goes to show you that it is still part of the game. And I'm watching the other games as well. And I think fighting's now we talked to Bobby Robbins a couple of weeks ago, and he was thinking that fighting was, you know, gonna gonna get out of this. But um I think there's been more fights so far this season, and there's no fans. So this is just hatred. So and this and this is this is about uh, respect, and right. this is about these are rivalries now. Yeah, right? we're facing each other eight times this season. Yeah. So, so you got some stats on that? I do actually. So hockey fights has been nice enough to do the math for us. So ten fights in the last week. So in 2020, so so far the NHL has played 268 games so far this season. So we're going to compare that to last season at 268 games played. So in 2020, there's 41 fights in the first 268 games. That's 15.2% of games. This year, we're at 56 fights at 268 games. That's 20.8% of games. So clearly fighting is going up. And, Dad, did you watch, uh, speaking of just fighting and hockey in general, please tell me you watched Marcus Foligno throw two haymakers, and that Russian kid was done. And the respect – Soon as a kid was cut, couldn't see, he called the refs right over. And the kid was still trying to throw. Yeah, no, I saw the Felino fight with mm, just the other German. And and Felino kind of got the worst of it, I think. But at the end, they were kind of like almost hugging each other. Yeah. Well, you need to see the most recently happened last night, but lots of respects. There's obviously still the code. I mean, he showed the code straight up. The kid's young. He beat the shit out of him and just called the refs over. It was done. And he's and he's a Russian kid, so he's probably smart. While this Panarin stuff's going on, well, he probably was like, I don't want Putin but, to fucking come but, my house. But as we talked to Bobby Robbins not too long ago, right? They have fighting coaches right. in the NHL, right? <laughs> Remember <laughs> yeah. we were talking about the Boston cop that yeah that was you know helped train him yeah when he was in the Bruins organization. So this is a thing, right? And, uh, you know, I mean, I remember when I was in peewee, squirts and peewee, that there was no fighting, but checking was allowed. And I remember, like, at that time, I was not a big kid, never a big kid, never really a super fast skater. So I was kind of like on the checking line, not to be a brute, but while everybody else was practicing stick handling moves, I'm down there, you know, trying to lay down 
hip checks and having, you know, dad coaches try to teach me how to check because they, they, I guess they thought that's the only thing I was going to be good for. So there is training. And if you tell me you're not going to go into juniors, um, you know, give me a break that you're not going to be taught how to fight. But the Russian video, because they're little kids and, and they're, they're people on the left are throwing down. How old do you think those kids were? Know, 10 years old? 10, 12. I and hey, think. I teach elementary music right now this year, four-year-olds, two 10-year-olds. And I'm just sitting there imagining, you know, with my little Grandview kids around, like, go ahead, let's let's teach you guys how to box today. And they're literally sparring. I mean, they're letting them hit each other. That's pretty, that's pretty animalistic, Dad. I'm not going to lie. Rush is on some shit. Well, you know, it is what it is, but I think that, that uh, you know, fighting still part of this game, and the more rules you try to get, and you know, Bobby was talking about that the league with their rules that you know they're gonna they're, they're trying to force it out in less violence, and he might be right where they're gonna you know push this out in the years to come, but it also creates I think a, a lot of frustration with the players, and when you know when you've had enough of the the petty little shit you're gonna throw down the gloves you know and and that usually comes down a cheap shot cheap shot them back another cheap shot they don't get the call another cheap shot you don't get the call then another cheap shot happens and then that's it you drop the gloves and you start you know taking out policing it yourself right and i think that's what you're seeing here well and don't forget in the beginning of the year remember tyler myers of vancouver canucks Laid out Armia, gave him a concussion. Nobody from Montreal answered during warm-ups their next game. Edmondson's skating by, and he goes, hey, Myers. Myers looks over and he goes, you want to go? Because we're going to have to go for that. And they said, yep. First second of the game, they both dropped the gloves. They knew what was going to happen. I mean, dude, that is well, – it, it was the same thing with – was it Miller? One yep, of the Miller and Bruins Wood. games. Yep. Miller and Wood. Where Wood – oh, and did you see the Chara um, – and Wilson go after Wood the other night? No. Oh, so Wood was doing his typical shit, right. trying to get, you know, screw with the goalie. Right. And Chara's in front, and Chara end up just, you know, just whacking him with a right hook and pushing him. And at the same time, while Wood's trying to be like, what, 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 Wilson comes down. and just, It's either Wilson or another Chara hit. Just, I mean. Oh, they punched him. Oh, yeah. And – and Wood just kind of holds his head down. Now his helmet's off and the rest trying to separate them. And Wilson's getting in his business and Chara's right behind him talking to him. I would not want to be Miles Wood. No, no, no. But that's the, that's the style Wood plays. Right. Oh yeah. And, and it's going to it. come with consequences that they're going to have enough with this cheap shit. Yep. And the players will take it from there. But and you, I, I'm, I still, I wouldn't mess with Chara. I wouldn't mess with Miles Wood either. Here's the thing. I like a player like Miles Wood who does the things like he does and is a bit of an instigator, like a Martian, a bit of an agitator, but he's a guy who's tough. He'll throw down the gloves. He knows, you know, when when he's he's got to, he's got to, like he did with Miller. Miller asked him, and he even said in that well, interview before the game, he said, I was talking to my teammate and said, yeah, I bet Millsy's going to ask me to go because I kept running their goalie last game and nobody did anything. I didn't right. even get a penalty for one of them. And like Robbins told us, Part of that, part of the code is, you know, it's coming, you know, you, a player, you owe him to fight, even yep. though you don't want to, you're going to have to do it. And that was simply someone was going to go with Wood that next game. Right. And it was Miller and it was the good, the good choice. Well, I need to look that up. So I take it though, part of that, part of that Wood's game though, is he probably drew a penalty or two. I, I didn't watch the game, but I, I saw the whole incident. It was all on Twitter. Okay. Well, yeah, I like Miles Wood and everything. If I, think, I get Chara and Wilson coming at me, I'm, I'm going scared. home. Yeah, I'd be pretty scared. <laughs> and you got Frederick who just run around, doesn't care, playing fear, wants to fight everybody. But I hope that Frederick, he will get his bell rung. Yeah, dude, he's going to ask Reeves or McDermott he, or Delorier. He's got to, got, he's got to he's be He's not a heavyweight, man. No, he's he's got to be six, six, one. He ain't a heavyweight yet. And just as, again, you know, we keep mentioning our last guest, Bobby Robbins, but Bobby was great, great fighter. He was a heavyweight, too. But he would talk about, too, of, you know, how easy you can dislocate your shoulder, mess up your wrist, mess up your, your hand real quick. So it's not just taking a beating. It's also you actually involved in the fight. You can get injured really fast. Yeah, I don't think people realize when they're tugging on their jerseys. I mean, that's part of the big 
strategy is not positioning and throwing the jabs when they're throwing them, you know, get them off balance. I mean, yeah, dude, that's gotta be. Well, and it's actually, it's actually throwing the punch so hard so fast that you dislocate your shoulder, but it's the same thing like McAvoy. I think he's done a better job so far this year of learning how to take body checks. I mean, he's put himself in some vulnerable positions and paid the price the last few years. Yep. And you take someone like Marchant, who's typical same size as him, Marchant knows how to protect himself when he goes in, into the into the corners and he knows he's going to take a hit. Marchant knows how to protect himself. And that hopefully McAvoy will because, you know, one too many concussions and his career is over. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So, Dad, let's go ahead. Let's move on. Let's talk about the last thing today. Um, I will keep this short simply because I didn't pay. I'm not going to pay to read an article. I'm just not one of those people yet. But The Athletic wrote a story, uh, last name Sprang, I think. Uh, she, she's a woman, and she is actually a very well-known athletic writer and uh, basically called out Arizona Coyotes. She had interviewed over 50 employees um, that worked there and everything. So, basically, here it is. Players, prospects not getting paid sign-on bonuses at all. Um, they owe eight vendors an astronomical amount of money. Um, you know, they talk to employees, and now uh, there's, you know, they had a Chicago law firm come in. They're talking about sexual harassment case. I mean, basically the Arizona Coyotes are fucked. And this new owner who took over the team 18 months ago is a typical business guy. Has never been involved in hockey, typical business guy. And I guess he's been trying to run it like a business, like his casinos or pizza joints that he's tried running. And I guess it's just going so far downhill. And now they're threatening vendors saying, you need to negotiate. We need to pay less and do this and do that. And you got the GM, Bill Armstrong, the new guy, the new GM for them, threatening the athletic rider of this over all this. Now they're trying to sue the athletic. So obviously there's truth to this. I mean, we all, I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it's Correct not me if I'm wrong, secret. the GM, the former GM quit because the owner was buttoned in and, and trying to work deals to sign players without, without the GM being involved. Correct. Yep. So that shows you right there that there is a problem. Yep. And let's face it. These owners can be assholes. Yep. They're rich, rich. It's my shit. team. I'll do it my way, but you know, they have to learn that especially if they don't know anything about the sport and they hire these GMs and director of hockey operations that you've got to leave it to them to run the team. Right. And let's not forget too, dad, they were just under the spotlight in 2020 for being in trouble with their illegal testing at the NHL combine. They lost a first round pick. And I think this next draft, I think they lose a second round. I'll have to double check on that, but they are losing draft. Picks I, that don't, they need. I don't know that I'm going to have to look into this. Arizona. I, that's about all that I know. Right. Well, but, the same but, year. It's just, but, I, and apparently what I'm saying is barely scratching the surface. But of, what I will say is Tampa had terrible trouble in the nineties and the early two thousands. And they went through coaches all. I mean, it was horrible. The team was bad and the team was sold a few times. If my memory serves me correct. And one of the owners was like, this big rich prick and he even wanted to design his own new uh, logo and Jersey for the team. And it was going to be something stupid. It never came out. And it was so bad that the, the GM and the coaches, cause they were many coaches. They just were kind of like, we can't work for this guy. And I think the NHL commissioner, and remember, the commissioner really works for the owners. And the owners kind of said, we need, to, we need to force this guy to sell the team. And this owner was not owner long. I'd have to look it up. It's actually a good story mm-hmm. for another time. But I do just remember that this guy was doing what this guy's doing, just doing whatever he wanted and pissing off everybody. And, and even the players, you know, he wanted, you know, players to like wear certain things and, it was, and it was just like his own thing. Like, well, I want everybody, you know, these guys are tough. So I want them to wear, you know, spikes coming out of their helmet, you know, something ridiculous like that. Right. And the players are like, this is, this guy's a joke. Come on. Yeah. And the team was so bad and there was no fan base. I mean, I remember Tampa when we first moved there in mm-hmm. 99, 2000, 
there was 6,000 people in the seats. There was no support at all. It wasn't until, I think, when they hired Jacques. No, they hired Jacques Demure, Demure, who was a well-known coach, especially with Montreal. And he, you know, he helped bring that. And then finally Torts came in and then Torts ran it his way. But by then there was a new management that came in and they've got a good management team there. So, I mean, good owners, sorry, good owners. So do you think then the Arizona Coyotes, do you think the franchise is going to be in trouble? Because I mean, dude, the NHLPA has already gotten involved because players aren't even getting people paid. Have specul- people have speculated that Arizona's done. Now we've been out to Arizona Stadium. Right. Been to a couple to the games new one. there. Yeah, we've That's... been to a couple games there. Uh there's not a fan base out there really. Zero. Nope. Yeah. And but why is there a fan base when the team's not that good? Right. Yep. Um so they don't have a fan base. I think if they're going to get a new owner, uh just my prediction, you heard it here first, you write this down Andrew. I think it's going to be sold and they're going to move to Quebec. You think so? I think Quebec is on the horizon for a team. I just feel it that way. There's so much support up there. They want their Quebec NHL team back. And uh, I think there'll be a move. Arizona is not cutting it as a uh, hockey city. It never has. So why do you think then that the Quebec market will work again when it failed before? I take it it folded before mostly – Probably because not too many support. I, I no, I no, I don't think so. I, I don't remember the circumstances okay. of why that. I'm just curious because I just know with I wonder if they were just trying to do at a new the time location in at general. the time is either Bettman or what's his name before Bettman as commissioner. They wanted to basically get the teams out of the north and get them in the south and the west. They wanted to expand the game so that they'd get more prime time network games like NBC, things like that, like not NBC sports network, NBC. Right. And they felt the only way to do that is to get teams in Arizona, Dallas, more into California, Florida, expand them into the Carolina. I mean, that was the push. So I think there was, if there was enough interest in owners willing to move to those places, that's fine. Like I don't think Seattle. Well, we'll see. I, just, I I'm not. I don't want to make a prediction on a podcast, uh, but Seattle. I I don't know if that's going to be a hockey town. It'll be interesting to see how it turns out. Apparently, there's a lot of hype, but I'm sure with any new franchise, professional hey, franchise, being people built. thought that Vegas wasn't going to work out. Oh, that's true, and they're one of the most profiting teams right now. People thought that Nashville would never have a hockey team, and they're probably one of the most savage fans that that there is down yeah. in Smashville. Yeah. So you just never know. But I think it depends on the team has to have quick success. And Arizona has never had success. Yeah, and it's sad because, you know, when we were growing up, because I was, you know, fun fact, I was born in Arizona in the Mesa area. And, uh, you know, I <clears throat> the only thing that I have from that as memories is, Dad, you gave me a very old jersey, I think, when you when it was still the old Phoenix Coyotes and their old logo, you gave me their jersey, and I still have that. So it's just sad that, you know, a team like that just can't get it together, and it's sad that there are individuals that um, are, are not running, you know, the operations. I, I can't say correctly. I mean, how can you determine that? But in a way that you're running a damn hockey. I mean, dude, that, that this seems like it's crazy. It's about to just blow up. Winnipeg moved to Arizona. Winnipeg got their team back. Right. I think Quebec's going to have another team. Now, as I'm just kind of perusing through as we're talking here, um, I'm looking at some of the rumors, and they're saying Arizona Coyotes to Houston, Texas. That's what I've heard a lot of, too, is Houston. Now, that might have some validity to that because Houston is a happening town. Do you think Houston's going to like hockey? Do you think Dallas was going to like hockey? That's a good point. And, dude, we've been to a couple of Dallas games, you know, even with the Bruins playing there, but they've got some pretty big fans too, I've, man. I've been they? down there to the American Airlines Center a few times for games, three or four games between you and, 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 and your stepmom. And it's a good fan base. They're not crazy. They're not Nashville. But people would have thought Nashville wouldn't 
accept hockey either. Right. And I would have expected Florida ever. I would have expected Florida because everybody from the north moves down there. When they're old, though, right? Well, not really. Okay. I mean, we didn't, right? Oh, that's true. Yeah. But uh, anyway. But the poor Florida Panthers, man. Houston would be – I mean, Texas is big. Man. You've been down there. Oh, yeah. And Dallas is, is – they've got a great arena. They've got good fans there. So they're supporting it. And they won the cup once. They almost won it again. Right. So they're putting butts in the seats, and they're selling merchandise. Yep. Well, that's pretty much all about the Arizona Coyotes. There's a ton more in the actual – you got to pay for the athletic every month to, to view their articles. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll – I think we should look into this and the rumors of the Arizona Coyotes, figure out what's going on there, figure out where the, where the rumors are talking about, and, uh, and see you know, if this Houston thing is a real thing or not because – that is a big deal when you move teams. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about the Seattle expansion in general, but we are going to lose a very good player. I'll say that right now. We're going to be heartbroken. Well, maybe you won't. You don't get attached to players too much, but we're going to lose a good player to that draft. Yeah. Well, this is Andrew and Jim here, father and son, Lindroth Hockey. Uh, we are working. We've received a lot of great uh, PR and also uh, Andrew, our podcast, I found out actually charted to I think the highest. Uh, and I know nothing about podcast charting, but I got some email because I must have registered our podcast with some charting thing. And uh, one was it 104? 101, I thought maybe it was just 104. Yeah, 104 out of I think they only have a list for 200 or 250 day chart. So uh, we want to thank our listeners and we think that it's not just our couch potato commentary on the Bruins and hockey life, but it's also the guests. So we're working hard on getting our next guest in. And uh, again, it'll be a hockey player, former hockey player, hockey insider, somebody from that community that we can bring some uh, entertaining uh, and relevant facts that we couldn't provide about hockey. And uh, we're excited about that. I really think about asking fan questions to these players and former players is, is really helpful to everybody else if they really want to find out the finer points like we do with, with both Ian and Bobby, especially Bobby with the fighting and the code and what actually happens and what goes on. And so we'll look forward to bringing you more guests soon. Absolutely. So thank you this week for joining Lindroth Hockey Podcast. We are empowered and supported by Black and Gold Hockey. Yes. So please check uh, them out. I'm also a writer for them if you don't know that. And also please check out the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. We are part of their podcast network, so that will be included in every show. So we thank you for everybody joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed and give us a radio on Apple Podcasts. Or, right, we're on Spotify. We're, we're everywhere. Wherever, everybody should Wherever you want to listen to it, you can find us. Right. So, everybody have a wonderful week. We'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.